When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 32 of the Unbetween podcast. Uh, We're excited to have you with us. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if you are a regular, we appreciate you sticking with us for whatever reason. Hopefully they're good reasons. Uh, Today, we are actually going to talk a little bit about inspiration and instruction and the differences there and some of how that relates to the church and the body and us as people. And specifically what we're talking about is what pastors or teachers or speakers tend to do in church. Are they focusing on inspiring people or on instructing people? Hmm. Mm. That's it. I like it. That is it. So we should start talking about it, don't you think? Let's do it. So, Ryan, you you wrote the idea down for this episode in a shared document that we have. And I was reading Uh it earlier, and I was like, ooh, I wonder what sparked that idea. So can you talk a little bit about uh, where the idea? Like, did, did you read something? Were you just pondering while you were driving? What was I it? I just, I really thought the two words sounded good together. <laughs> well, you're right. They do. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's something that I feel like has been important to me for the past several years. Um, maybe four or five years ago, it started standing out to me just how, and probably a little further back than that, but that that's irrelevant in some ways. But it just started standing out to me how much churches have become uh, more a place for inspiration than instruction. And now you had uh, people who were very good at motivating or being hype men or, you know, you know, woo people, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> but when it came to actually instructing and teaching the Bible, there was a lack there. Mm. And, you know, maybe not that their intent was just to be this hype man, but for whatever reason, they inspire people and... Obviously, and and unfortunately, and obviously, churches want to grow. Well, how do you do that? You put a dynamic personality out there who's really good at engaging others and inspiring them. Um, And sometimes you overlook the fact that there may be a lack in in what I would call more important areas. And so, I I don't know, that's just been important to me, making sure that I am, am looking for instruction as opposed just to be motivated where I'm at in life or where I want to be in life. And then it was funny. I think it was further solidified as we were getting ready to kind of start this. A uh, friend and listener had texted me and basically was was talking about the last podcast we did and how hearing it and and specifically your view, what you had said about Cain and Abel and the offering. Mm-hmm. Um, he went back and read Genesis 3 and 4 because it, it did. It made sense. But that's not exactly the way it had been framed mm. Um by pastors or teachers that were in his. And, and specifically what he said, you know, was after reading it um, for myself and not through the lens of any former pastor, it makes complete sense why God did not accept Cain's offering. And so I think there's just this big uh, kind of difference in being told stuff and just taking it for granted versus reading and how sometimes things are presented from a story or a motivational or inspirational yeah. stance versus biblically what it is. Yeah, I have so much to say about this topic because I, I think our similar our experiences are similar, but I've talked to a whole lot of other people who have also had a similar experience of this kind in church growing up. Uh, I do want to ask, though, can you define what you mean by inspire? 
Oh, and, and that's, that's a, a positive tough, sounding word. So. It is, and, and and it's in scripture. You know, you even look in what is it in Second Timothy where it talks about the the word being inspired, right? I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. good things that can come from that. Now, that's talking, I think, in that use, and I won't mess up the the Greek and whatever, but it's God breathed is what it means by that in mm-hmm. in that text. But I think it's tough to define because inspirational can be a good thing. Yeah. So, and that's what I mean. We're using a word that means more than one thing, depending on the context. So, so what, what is it that you mean when you use that word this way? Yeah. So trying to think of a catchier way to put it. (laughs) So, I mean, I think what should happen, let me start there. Maybe Okay. what should happen is the Bible and the instruction from the Bible should inspire us. Okay. Often we don't let that be enough to inspire. We think that we need other things. And so what you get, and we, we've talked about this in pretty good, you know, at, at pretty good length in the past, but you get churches that are looking more for um, kind of celebrity types mm. who are able to inspire with their loudness or charisma. their personality. Or, yeah, charisma is a good word. Just... Just the, the charisma behind them is something that people see and in some ways are one to, mm-hmm. you know, but then that that's the what's inspiring them is that person as opposed to the word of God that is inspired by God that should be inspiring us as we're instructed in what it says. Yeah. That's a lot of I words, but. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Oh, man, where do you start? I mean, you already started, but I don't. <laughs> There's so much there, it's hard to know what to respond to. Um, well, and, and I think you're starting at a good place. I mean, by what what is inspiring? What what does that mean to be inspired? And, and, and you're right. Being inspired is not bad, but what are we being inspired to or inspired with? Mm-hmm. And what does that, the outcome of that, you know, what's that inspiration produce? Yeah, and, and I can talk about my own experience, but I find it more yeah. helpful to talk about um, what other people have said to me that resonates with me. And I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week, and they said that what they come to realize is that all their life they had been preached at rather than taught. Lots of huh. lots of preaching, very little teaching, very little instruction, where I, I think the way that they put it was that basically every week was just the salvation message again, and that at some point... You, the, the way they put it was, okay, I've, I understand justification. I need you to tell me about sanctification. Yeah. And that like, help me connect the real world dots between what I see on the pages of this, you know, holy library as, as the Bible is in, into a world that looks in many ways, nothing like what these people were experiencing. Although it is, you know, when you get down to the, I mean, humans are still humans. We always have been, but that that really practical and yet so deep like threads, you know, like underground aqu- river running through an aquifer kind of depth that yeah. is there, but that doesn't yield to the surface reading. It doesn't, you can't scratch the surface and expect to get everything that's in there. It's like a seven layer dip or something uh-huh. where if you want what's on the bottom, you got to dig down through every layer. And that that kind of sums up what some of my experience was too. And I think we, we say this a lot too, that I don't think most people in churches, including most pastors, are um have have negative or malicious ulterior motives. They're doing what they they're trying to do the right thing. 
Right. And they're shaped by the same things we're all shaped by, our family expectations and our denomination and Protestantism and America and what whatever else. I mean, this may be different for you depending on where you're listening from. But basically, it's really easy to not go there <laughs> for all of us. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. so much easier to not put in the work and not go to where the depth is. Yeah, e- easier for the, the person taking it in and the person presenting. Oh, um, definitely. Especially if some of those characteristics come naturally and you're, you know, a, a people person or good at communicating. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to get in front of a room and get people inspired or motivated yeah. or clapping for you even, as opposed to doing the work of preparing and studying yourself so that others are able to, to you know, receive that overflow of mm-hmm. your being poured into. Yeah. I mean, I, I found that and was very convicted about that when I was, you know, I guess college and early years of being married. It was very easy for me to get in front of a, a small group that I led and, and, and keep their attention for 45 minutes. Yeah. Before they went to the next thing in, in youth group or whatever. Like it it wasn't that hard and it was very easy to almost just lean on, well, we'll just get in there and we'll talk about what God's doing in their life and difficult things. And and yes, you can do that, but if if that's your fallback and you're not spending time in the word yourself, then then that you're not re- really leading them to God. You're not really showing them who he is. You're showing them who you are. Yeah. And and I for one am a poor excuse. <laughs> for an example, at many times, you know. Well, and to, to build on that, even that kind of accountability we've talked about before is probably however many percent not authentic and is not this, the real stuff that's in the back of your closet of your life right. that yeah. needs airing out with people that you love and trust. That's my own personal experience anyway. Yeah. And, and that brings up a whole other issue that we've talked about some, but it's often in those environments that are not very genuine, hard to find someone who you can love and trust air those things out with. Yeah. Or who even you feel like want is there for the same reason. And th- this this is um, a good, this ties into our overall conversation because when you, if you have the experience where in whatever church context you're in, like there's that terrible phrase, I'm not getting fed. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've all probably heard that one. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets a bad rap because I think a lot of the time really what it means is I'm not hearing what I want to hear. I'm not hearing what makes me comfortable. There's right. a difference in that in like I'm not being challenged and I'm not being taught. That is different. And not just like intellectually, like I'm not learning cool facts about the Bible. Who, I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily matter. But what does matter is, is, the un, is the recorded story of God being unfolded to us by our leaders in such a way that it activates our imagination and the Holy Spirit of God uses that to motivate us to change the way that we live. Now, yeah. that's a different kind of yardstick to measure whether or not you're getting fed. Because if that's not happening, then maybe you're not being fed. However, with that is that this is not a t- this is a two-way street. You don't just sit in a room while you pay a guy to Christianize you. That isn't yeah. how it works. And that the the word disciple is a two like is an active relationship both ways in that it is incumbent on the teacher to rightly divide the word of truth and deliver it in a way that exposes you to what you need to know and the real depth of what's there. But it's also, there is a job on you as a learner. There is a job on you as a follower, as again, as a, as a disciple to, to study and to learn and to act and to actively listen. And I think that's also 
a variable that gets left out of the equations. Not not only do we as a as an American Christian people tend to want stuff handed to us all packaged nice and neat in a silver platter where it either makes us feel comfortable and confirms our biases and tells us stuff we already agree with, or we have a, a little bit of a shelf beyond that for like, well, I'll take 10% worth of uncomfortable. I'll be uncomfortable, but I don't want to be convicted <laughs> in a way that where I'll have to yeah. change anything. And, and it's like, it's, that's a totally different prospect, even than just saying we need better teaching or we need teaching at all, is that we need better learners. We need a spirit of, of learning about us and a spirit that is open to receiving what God would speak to that person, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, what you're saying, that's so much of the problem is that if you spend the time in the word, spend the time learning, receiving instruction, it is extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. There's things about your life, your worldview, your attitude, your mind that you don't want to confront. Mm-hmm. But these are all things we're supposed to confront. And I, just, I think that's that's something we've we've got to kind of come to terms with is that being a follower of Christ is not easy. It's not comfortable. Yep. And I, I remember, I know I've told this story before probably, but there was a Sunday school that we used to be in where the guy at the end of every week, you know, he'd wrap up the lesson and essentially say, but you know what? Y'all are here, so you're doing good. <laughs> and just that mindset, you know, eventually it hit me like, no, that's, man, that's so far from the truth. Yeah. Like none of us here are doing good. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you really pull down to what that means, like we're all struggling, but it's easier to say, but you know what? Y'all are here. You're in this building. You're in this class. So you, you care and you're doing good. And that's just not the truth of it. Yeah. But that's the inspirational thing to say. Mm-hmm. Right. Very much Let's so. wrap up. We talked about some hard stuff. So now let me candy coat it a little bit before I send you on your way. And how much of it is even hard stuff? Not very much. We're generalizing, um, of course, but we're speaking out of experiences that we've had. This this obviously does not describe everything everywhere all the time or every context. So if this isn't about you, then don't worry about it <laughs> is, what, yeah. is what I would say. But there's, I know this happens enough to make this conversation relevant. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's probably more common than we realize, but there are exceptions. You know, I feel at this point where I'm at and who I'm being taught by on a Sunday morning is full of instruction. Yeah, um, same. You know, a lot of instruction you know, and, and <laughs> that's great to me. And that inspires me to want to learn more, not just to hear what I've heard and let that be my my Bible for the week. Yeah. So many of the things Taylor mentioned at the first of um the episode, the list we've got going on with things that we want to talk about. I mean, so many of those that there's just little branches off of this conversation. Because <laughs> um, I even think about, you know, I, I wrote down just the idea of, of nominal Christians. And I think that's part of it. You know, I think that's what we have to to think through, too. Are we OK being a Christian in name only or do we want to be a follower of Christ? Mm-hmm. And and the expectation of those things is very different. It is. And. I don't know that you're going to inspire anybody to follow Christ better. I think you can instruct or teach them. Well, I don't even know that I like that. You're you're hearing me working out my thoughts in real time is is what you're getting. I think there's a difference in, and this is the tricky thing about the word inspire that I was trying to get ahead of on the front end, but here we are, is that you can make an emotional appeal to somebody and that will get you X amount of the way there. And God will even use that. I mean, God created our emotions. So that it, and he has emotions himself, whatever that means for God exactly. I don't really know. But um, 
that isn't like you have your heart and you have your mind. And those are both yeah. apparently important. It's it's in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your strength, your all of all of what you have. Yeah. Because we don't just make sense of the world one way. I think maybe that's part of what we're ge- of what we're getting at of what's the difference is that instruction appeals to your mind, inspiration appeals to your heart, but you have to have both. And kind of what we're talking about is that there seems to be an out of balance of uh, just wanting the inspiration, just wanting to feel it with our emotions, without it having to be tethered to our mind, without it having to have roots. Conversely, I, I have seen a lot of the opposite, where it was, it was the teaching was there, the instruction was there, but it was so disconnected from the vibrant, alive reality of what the spirit of mm-hmm. God wants us to respond to. And so you'd have people like the, the whole frozen chosen thing, you know, they've been yeah. in church for 50 years and just like they can recite half the Bible to you, but none of it has filtered into their heart at all. And they're, you know, cold and unloving and harsh, or they're just a repository of spiritual quotes from the Bible and it isn't reflected in their lives. And this can happen at any age. And of course, I'm just using anecdotes here. I'm not talking about specific people necessarily, but but th- that's the thing, isn't it? it? Is that it can't just be here's all these interesting facts about the Bible, you know? Look at the literary design of Judges or whatever. It has to then connect to, by means of the Holy Spirit to your heart, to your emotions, and you have to allow both of those to work together. But it's it's hard to do that if the person who's been entrusted to bring. Uh, to teach the word does not have those in balance. Yeah, because it's a different thing knowing something and then believing it. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know, that's a great um, way to put it. It's one thing to know what it says, but if you truly believe it, like that, that, that changes everything. It really does. Yeah. If this is a, a cool book with a lot of, you know, poetry and some cool wisdom bits and, and this thing, that, okay, that's nice. But if you believe every word of it is true and there for purpose, and God created us with purpose, that, that's a different story. Yeah. In fact, it's more than a story at that point. Mm-hmm. You so know, you, you use the, the phrase from uh, Paul's letter to Timothy earlier about Scripture being God-breathed. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the New Testament didn't exist. And Paul's writings were some of the earliest post— the, the earliest Christian writings we have are Paul's letters. They predate the Gospels yeah. by f- a few years anyway. And so he's thinking of what we call the Old Testament. And— when, where is another time where God breathed life into something in the Bible? It's Genesis. Genesis, Genesis yeah. Yeah. That, that ain't no accident that he used no. that phrase. So in the same way that God is breathing life into something that is finite, like the Hebrew language or the Greek language or the English language, they're finite. They can't possibly express all of what God wants us to get. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need God's witness in creation. But we've always been people of the book. That's always the way that it's been. So we have to take it seriously. But the fact that Paul, under inspiration (laughs) of the Holy Spirit, would use that phrase in the same way that God, by his Spirit, breathed life into this dust and expected great things to come of it, however messy things might get, that's the way that we should think about the Bible. That's pretty dang awesome. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, where do you go from there? Like, <laughs> no, you're you're right, and and I think that that was so much why I had a desire to get more than what I felt like I was getting at one point. Hmm. Yeah. Not that it's all about me getting what I want, but feeling like there was something 
missing when it came to taking in the, the Word of God? You know, Paul has this progression. I don't know that these are in the same letter, so y'all forgive me, but he talks about basically as in one in one of his letters, he says, as as babes in Christ crave pure spiritual milk. Mm-hmm. But then at a later point, he says, okay, it's time to move on from milk to meat. Yeah. And I, th- I think that is part of the challenge is that if we are so seeker sensitive and so lowest common denominator sensitive and so market oriented that we build our entire rhythm of church around making sure that nobody gets lost and that it's not too deep so that somebody bounces out of the funnel, as it were, then you have a whole lot of people who you have a bunch of adults walking around with bottles still. Now, the other side of that, of course, is that it isn't just about the person who's been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years or whatever, or the person whose mind naturally gears them towards the intellectual. You cannot afford to lose people who are not oriented that way or they don't have that story. That is true, which is why it takes wisdom. It takes both, like we were saying a minute ago. But it seems like the, the objections I've heard sometimes have been like, well, that's too deep. We don't want to lose people. And so then the answer is, well, we just don't won't go deep at all ever. Or it's up to you to go find the deep rather than we're going to <laughs> we're going to plan and program such in such a way to make sure that the deep is there if, if you're wanted or if you're ready for it. But that also that you're going to be exposed to it, whether you like it or not, in a yeah. way that makes sense and in a way that's going to be helpful for your walk or whatever. But it's it has to be a part of our rhythm somehow. I remember Tim Mackey, who's uh, the scholar in residence, if you like, at the Bible Project, talking about um, they were they were having a conversation, honestly, about I don't believe what he and his co-host and his co-host John was like. So, do you think everybody needs to learn stuff at this level? And Tim said, No, no, I don't think that everybody needs to go out and learn Hebrew or care about ancient Near Eastern fertility rituals or whatever like that that's kind of stuff is helpful to know in interpretation he said but no that that won't help you be a better christian necessarily he said but i do think that every community of believers every church every whatever does need to have a bible nerd does need to have somebody whose job it is to serve that body by getting into this stuff and they need to have some kind of mechanism built around it so that it gets out to everybody else um Y'all have probably talked, heard me talk about Dr. Michael Heiser on here, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, which is sad. But um, he always said of himself that he, he would say, I'm a dot connector. I know how to jump into all the ancient languages and the history stuff and the culture stuff, but I see it as my role to serve the kingdom by making that stuff accessible to people who are not scholars, because it really helps you understand what the Bible is and what it's trying to do. And so I just, I think many, many churches in my experience and many groups of Christians, they they don't have a box for that. There, there isn't that like, we need to make sure that we, that the meat is on the menu, I guess, if I can put it that way. Yeah. And I think they're allowed to exist that way because there are a vast number of people who are just scared of what that might look like. Yeah. I say scared. I mean, maybe it's they don't know that that can exist. That's part maybe. of it, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and quite frankly, I mean, again, back to the nominal thing, there's people who don't care. Yeah. I, I want us to do an episode more on that eventually and what that looks like. But I mean, I think it's statistically of, of every six, seven believers, one is, is truly following Christ and the other are nominal. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, 
well, of course, there's not that many in the church looking to learn more it's and to have market. that kind of instruction. Yeah, it's just they, they want demand. the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have an entire kind of industry built around the church, it's like, and this isn't even a criticism, but industries spring up around demand. And if the demand's not there, there's no industry built up around it. And so those kind of resources wouldn't exist if people didn't want them. Yeah. Well, and you have to think about what people are winning them to. You know, I, when Jesus called the followers like that, that was a different kind of inspiration. Mm-hmm. He was not promising them some easy life and, you know, all these worldly material blessings. Like he, he was kind of saying the opposite. Like, yeah. no, you're going to leave everything behind. You know, you you're, may not have a home. Um, following me is going to make it look like you hate your family and your friends mm-hmm. and because you're going to be this committed. Like, I don't, I don't know how inspirational that really was to them, <laughs> but there was something more there calling them than charisma, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he had and, that. that. That's the other thing is that Jesus had that. If you can, if we can take a step back um, and, and really kind of like the, your, your friend said that he was able to do, if we can take a step back and take our filters off and actually read the scriptures for what they are and imagine how somebody would have read them in the time they were written, you know, Jesus was a very charismatic figure. <laughs> but he was also very substantive. I mean, he this dude was a performance artist. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we talked with Josh about the uh, some of the parables that he told were really cryptic and weird, and he never bothered sure. to explain them to the people. And then there's stuff like it, freaking Ezekiel. Good lord! Yeah. And it's just like, why? Why is why? Why did you do it this way? But but. The point being is that he balanced those things. He certainly, mm-hmm. he knew how to communicate. He knew how to get people's attention, but he leveraged that to get them to the meat that he knew that they needed. Yeah. Well, and then he knew what he was calling them to. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you're not careful, you you call people the wrong way and you call them to the wrong thing. And I think Ooh, yeah. that is happening all over this country and, and, and world um, is you've got people who, Maybe at church every Sunday, but it's because they're, it makes them feel better about where they're at. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, as believers, the best thing we can do in followers of Christ is to understand our nature so fully that, that there's nothing that makes us feel good about where we're at except who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And when you're preaching in certain ways that are common out there. I'm trying to say things very nicely and, and, and not, how do you know? I'm trying to be a better person. Um, no, I just, I, I, I think there are pastors out there who want to make people feel good because that keeps them coming back. Mm-hmm. Do you think and failing that... to, well, one say, and, and failing to understand that if they would truly just talk about who God is and who we are and what he did, that's going to keep people coming back too. Maybe not as many, maybe yes. not to the same things, maybe not expecting the same things, but you're going to have a congregation full of people who want to more fully know who God is and live that out. There's a lot there. Um, one question I have is, do you, do you think that the majority of the people who are doing what you just described are doing it knowingly and on purpose, or do they think that that's what they're supposed to do? The people in the congregation or the people teaching? Teaching. T- pastoring. Yes, past- Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I think mm. you've kind of got to look at the trend and what has happened in society and, and, and man, you can go well, the reason way I back ask, with it, but 
the reason I asked that is because in our Shepherds and Stages episodes, go back and listen, uh, uh-huh. we talked about that there, there's a whole lot of unrealistic expectations on the part of the congregation and on the part of the of the clergy, if I can use that word, in that what the people what people tend to expect from pastors and teachers and then what the again what the market or the industry that equips and trains and degrees and then hires those people sets them up doesn't set them up for success is basically a summation of what those two episodes are and so that when they fall off the pedestal that's been built for them it's Nobody wins, basically. So we we were talking about earlier today that um, Carl Lentz, formerly of Hillsong, just went on staff at a church somewhere, and we were talking a little bit uh, off off the air, as it were, about like platform is one thing, but calling is another. And if you are called to pastor, called to teach, called to preach, whatever, are there things that you can do that disqualify you from that? And who gets to decide? the answer to that question or what the interval should be. But he in particular is an example of somebody that from what we have seen is somebody who's looking to inspire rather than instruct. And so we kind of wondered if um, there is a greater tolerance, if, if what you're connecting to is the charisma, if what you're connecting to is the snappy phrase or the one-liner, the spiritual one-liner, you you might be more inclined to not be like to, to be not even more forgiving, but more permissive of somebody's moral failure or somebody's lack of good leadership. And that I wonder if, if we were just committed to the demanding integrity and sound instruction, I wonder whether or not those platforms would exist in the way that they do. Anyway, what's, what's kind of your reaction to that? Cause we didn't get to talk about it much earlier. We didn't. Um, I have a lot of, uh, Interesting feelings probably on it because <laughs> I, I did not know that he had taken that position when you told me that. And it's, it's, uh, I, I hope, I hope there has been restoration. Let me start by saying this and reconciliation and that he is walking with the Lord in a way that does not put us back in two years where we were a year ago, mm. hearing the same type thing. I hope that is the case, and you know, quite frankly, I'll, I'll say it here: like I intend to pray for him that that is the case, and that he seeks God in that. Not that I know him personally; I don't. The first time I think I even heard his name was because he was uh, friends with Justin Bieber, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I had, for whatever reason, come across the Justin Bieber Purpose album and was actually like kind of interested in in that and his change and seeing that and kind of how those things were working together. So I'll start there. I I do think. When we look at culture and the change in institutions, organizations, whatever you want to call them over the years, to be more seeker-friendly, to your point, and so focused on numbers, um, we, we've kind of set ourselves up for this, and I, I, it's hard to see that change coming. I, I, I want to think it is, especially the conversations we've had with people like, you know, Josh, about um, what's coming and, and looking at things like the Bible Bible Project that are readily accessible to people that were not when we were young. Yeah. And I think we focused a whole lot on how do we get people here in ways that just are not, do not point them to God. And, and so you get this kind of outcome. And it's sad because I, I see well-meaning people who love the Lord, but just do not 
truly know who he is hmm. because they've not truly been presented who he actually is. It's, it's kind of like you, we're both married. We've both been married for a while. And obviously we knew our wives before we married them, but that started a process of decades long, hopefully of us continuing to understand them better and learn to love them better. And, and Maybe vice versa never too. fully, but right. better. I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's almost like when they use all those marriage metaphors in the Bible that it is means something. <laughs> but but just in a similar way, I have also known people that have not allowed depth to grow in their romantic relationships, and either they end them or they just kind of hit a point and then that's where they stay. And we probably all have done that in different ways at different times, but. Um, sometimes it's easier not to lift up like the corner of the rug and see what's under there and, and just pretend like things are okay. Well, and, and there's the thing of doing what you feel is expected of you. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so when you mentioned marriage, I, I mean, I even think of people who, um, get married young because that's what I'm supposed to do. Graduate yeah. high school, I go to college, graduate mm-hmm. college, I get married, get married, I have kids and, and, and people are pushing you to do that. Wrong or right. I, I don't know. I, I was listening to a Tim Mackey thing the other day where he was talking about, you know, marriage is not something you're told you have to do in the Bible. In fact, it's kind of said if you can focus fully on the ministry without that, that could mean a more effective ministry for Christ. Yeah. And obviously I am married, so I, but I, uh, yeah, I just, you're, you're right. It's, it's one of those things where there's a whole lot that goes into getting to know someone and it's not not easy. Like, I mean, from even asking for that, that, you know, first date to trying to figure out who people are, I mean, um, it, it can be an interesting thing. And it's funny, my, mine and Hannah's first date was to a, a pretty emo rock show that um, <laughs> you, were, you were probably at as well, uh, but it was not her thing, but I didn't fully know that at, at the time. I kind of yeah. figured, but, um, but she went and we start getting to know each other. And there's still things we learn about each other um, today. Like you said, I mean, you're, you're knowing each other more. And I think that is how our, our relationship with, with God should be. I mean, if you put your trust and faith in him and then don't do anything else, well, what, what, is, what is that? Mm-hmm. And you don't seek to know him. And, and I do. I think there's just a, a wide array of people out there. Um, people even who, who you mentioned theology and it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, I want to spend all my time studying it. That's not what that is. Like, like theology is simply studying the character of God. And we've talked about that before. Um, but if you're going to have a relationship with God, it, it, it has to require that. Like there is learning, there is talking with, with God. That's what prayer is for. You know, it shouldn't be something where you're just reciting it before bed to make you feel good about yourself. Like it should be conversation with God throughout your day that that really yields to the fact that you are leaning on him completely with every aspect of your life. Now, I don't say that because I'm I'm great at that. I'm just saying that that's what I think a relationship looks like. I think we mentioned on another episode where I, I will pretty regularly get out of a meeting and I'm driving home and I'll call my wife, not because she expects it, but it just feels like the natural thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I halfway think if we lived our life that in tune with who God is, that there, there's a whole lot of things we would not need inspiration from the world in. Hmm. It would be weird, wouldn't it, if like your marriage counselor 
Like you kept going back and they just kept telling you to do the same thing over and over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're not growing in love, then what are you doing? And that, that not just for like in the romantic sense, but if you're not continuing, it doesn't mean that like you're quote clocked in all the time, but just if you have a relationship with another person and particularly with God, it, it should continue to evolve and get deeper and be enriched. And if it isn't, it is probably not God that stopped investing, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But cool. if, I want to be charitable about it, but if you have somebody that you trust who is telling you either overtly or telling you without telling you that you're doing fine, keep doing what you're doing, then either, like you said earlier, you're not going to know there's anything else out there or if you see that there is, you're going to want to avoid it because uh-huh. I like where I'm at. Well, and if we know there's those things in our life that we're trying to figure out if we can be real about to people, you know, and if we, we know there's that deep-seated issue with, you know, lust or um, substance abuse or, or whatever it is, and then I've got someone every week tell me, but you know what, you're doing good. Hmm. Do I really feel the gravity of that sin in my life? Yeah. Or if I've got someone just trying to, you know, hype me up and make me feel good, I don't know that I can truly realize what what my sin is. Our, our I think, man, this we could we could continue to talk for three hours about this. I'm confident because. There's a difference in a creek that's fed by rain and a creek that's fed by a stream. Yeah. And I, I think the kind of people that God is after are the Psalm 1 people who are planted next to a source of water that doesn't v- depend on the weather for them to grow. And it's like that. this is all well and good as long as that guy can keep it raining. As long as he keeps showing up every week with his watering can for us. What happens when he trips and falls and spills it all, though? We don't, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be a little bit dry. Yeah. So if we, if we don't have roots that are anchored in the truth of the scriptures, and if we don't have sacred, sacred rhythms that are built upon those principles, and if the Holy Spirit is not animating and activating our lives and leading us into a deeper understanding of him and to love the people around us more deeply, then when somebody shuts that faucet off, there's not going to be anything left to make sure that we don't wither up and die. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing that's capable of sustaining us is God and his word and that relationship. I mean, it truly is. And, and that's why you have... Even countries where the the word of God is prohibited, but people are growing. It's mm-hmm. not because they've got a hype man they can go see every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and so if if your source of life is coming from Carl Lentz, Mark Driscoll, you know, Ravi Zacharias, all, all these people who I'm not going to say God hasn't used them for great things, but they they messed up. Yeah. Then what? To your point, when that is gone and their platform's gone, what do you do? Find the next guy? Because mm-hmm. guess what? He's, He's going to mess, mess up too. too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like in some way, now who knows if it's public and, and whatnot. And I don't know. It's just why do we 
need a worldly figure to look at when we've got God. Give us a you king know, I like think the of other times nations in have. Scripture when that's happened, right? And it's not worked out that well, has it? No. We give it. Give us a king like the other nations have. Uh, and is the problem that God's not enough for us? I think so. But also that God is just other. And he does and says things that don't fit in with the way that we understand the world because he's calling us into a deeper understanding of the way that things actually work and what's actually important. And you've got to constantly shift your paradigm and, and shatter your lenses to follow him where he's going. Well, who wants to do that? <laughs> that doesn't sound very fun. No. Um, Jesus interacting with his disciples is a good example of that, is that they're, they're, they were never able to just kind of chill and be like, okay, I think we got it figured out, because then he would just drop a bomb on them or like, all right, we're going to Samaria. We're going where? No. Don't you know who lives there, dude? <laughs> no. But if we're not exposed to that, if we're not taught that, if we're not shown that like, well, it, it, even in that example, the nice parable of the Good Samaritan reads a little different when it's the good Al-Qaeda terrorist, because that's culturally what it would have meant to them. No. Because there were centuries of religious and ethnically motivated violence between those two peoples. Like they, they hated each other. And, and so like that, that story is more than about some, like you should help people. It's about you should seek out the person you hate the most and love them. Well, crap. <laughs> but, and I, I didn't come up with that. Somebody pointed, somebody taught me that that's what that story was actually yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to do that, right? It's funny. I think I've mentioned it on here before, but God typically finds those people that I struggle to <laughs> walk alongside and puts them right in the middle of like yeah. whatever it is that I feel him leading me to. And it's, um, I think it's a good reminder that it's not about me doing what I want to. Yeah. It's about me doing where, being where he wants me to be and um, leaning into that and as uncomfortable as it may be. Yeah. Because guess what? It most often is. But as we, we summed up another episode this way too, is that Peter was talking to Christ once and Christ said, do you, do you guys want to bail too? And Peter said, where else are we going to go? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the one who holds life and we know that and we can't unsee it. Yeah. But, but then we've got to believe it. We can't just start running to anything and everything that also promises life, mm -hmm. in quotes. There's, Jesus sums up his ministry. He's about to go back to heaven, and he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have told you. Perfect. And I think that's the standard that we need to hold ourselves to and also our pastors and teachers and leaders to. I thought it said inspiring them. <laughs> <laughs> it probably does. I kid. Well done. It's that's a wrap on this episode. I feel like we always say this. That's a wrap. We're not shooting a movie, or are we? Anyway, um, so as you can probably tell, this is a subject that's that hits pretty close to home for both of us, and that we're pretty passionate about, and maybe. Maybe us having this conversation will help some of you all make some sense out of these things. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can always shoot them to us. We're at unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. We're on Instagram and Facebook at unbetweenpodcast and Twitter at unbetweenpod. 
And I, I, I just want to say I find these conversations so helpful for me to personally knowing that I have somebody, that I have a friend I can talk to about this stuff and that hopefully by hitting the record button that it can help somebody else make sense of some things that I have found challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think these are things that, to our point earlier, sometimes it's easier not to talk about the hard things. And so we want to be doing that. We want to in grace and love. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's tough. So again, we, as Taylor said, we value your feedback. Let us know if you think we were too harsh, not harsh enough. I don't want we to hear can, about uh, that. We can revisit it. But, you know, I, I think the important thing to note here is that as followers of Christ, we should be pursuing knowing God as fully as possible um, so that we can live in a way that he calls us to. And um, that involves a little more than, than inspiring us to be what this world wants us to be. Uh, to Taylor's point earlier, there's a, another world that we're called to. Amen to that, and I have nothing to add. All right, we'll see you all in the next one.